What were you doing before digital marketing and social media were terms that people used? Well, my next guest already had his start in digital marketing. Over the last six years, he has served almost 1,000 clients in 29 countries, in addition to earning numerous accolades and business awards. Tim Hyde, Australia's leading authority in CRM and marketing automation for small businesses, helps business owners find and fix the holes in their customer's journey where the opportunities leak out. Join me today as I interview Tim Hyde. Welcome back to the Pursuing Profit with Principles podcast. So glad you've joined us today. I am excited to bring you a friend of mine from Australia. <laughs> we are, we're not in the same room together, but aren't we glad that we have the technology today to be able to do this? So my friend is Tim Hyde, and Tim is the founder of Win More Clients. For the past eight years, he's been helping businesses to optimize and automate how they attract, convert, and keep more clients. We all want that, right? So welcome to the show, Tim. Glad to have you here. Great to be here, Regina. How are you doing? I am great. This has been such so much fun doing this podcast. And the, the people that I've gotten to interview and, and just have a great time with... I get to sit and just chat with people for an hour at a time. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fabulous addition to to any business owner's repertoire. Um, you just get to not only, I guess, you know, meet and uh, develop relationships with people from all over the world, as, as exactly. We've done, but it's also a fantastic opportunity to learn more about what is going on and apply it, those it, principles to your own business as well, isn't it? It is indeed, isn't it? It, you, yeah, well said. <laughs> it I, I, I think I've been, uh, if I go back and look at my podcasting history, I ran my first podcast in 2001. And it was a, uh, I was running a, a social media site then with a, with a couple of mates, just specifically around our hometown. And we, uh, we talked rugby, actually. We uh, reviewed every rugby game every weekend and, and drank fun. beer. <laughs> <laughs> you miss those days. Uh, yes, going back a little bit, it's lots of fun, lots of fun. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you're here with us today, Tim, because I know you have so much to share with folks. So why don't you take us on a little journey, though, of where you kind of where you what brought you to the place that you are now? I think it's a it's an interesting convergence of a whole bunch of different parts of my life. Um, and, and when I reflect on that, I think often we 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 eventually find our groove, don't we? Um, I started my first business when I was six uh, in an attempt to realize my dream to be dream to be Uncle Scrooge right, and dive into massive piles of money. <laughs> and I, um, I actually ran, a, as I said, I ran a circus and I invited all the neighborhood kids over, charged them 20 cents admission into my circus. <laughs> what kind of animals did you have in your circus? Oh, no, no, I made, I made everyone dress up as animals. So I had lions oh. and tigers. <laughs> oh, I love it. And everyone was in funny. costume uh, and uh, doing lots of fun stuff. And then I spent my ill-gotten gains on two things. And the first of those was a uh, a brass inlaid oak cigar box that uh -huh. I found at our local um, flea market. And uh, it, it was I was able to stack my 20-cent coins beautifully in this little, <laughs> in this little box. <laughs> 
<laughs> build to my sense of order. And the second one was I, I spent um, uh, $1 on one-cent sweets on, on the way home from school. It was in, it was in a, a sandwich bag, and it was so full that it almost everything almost filled out. I ate the entire bag of, of, of sweets on the way home from school one day, and I was hooked. I'm not sure if I was hooked on the massive sugar rush or uh, or this idea that we could give people something that they wanted and they would give us something that we wanted in return, which was which was money, and we could have fun in the process. Awesome. Awesome. And um, and I sort of just continued on that vein. I ran a whole bunch of different businesses as a teenager, made and sold wine racks. I did door-to-door sales. I, you know, washed cars. I um, even imported Ugg boots from China once and, and sold those with a couple of Greek mates and learned a very valuable lesson about <laughs> you don't need as many size 14 shoes as size 7s, 8s, 9s and 10s. <laughs> Stock control, right? Yeah. Um, and then found myself uh, like the dutiful eldest son, went off to uni, studied IT when there was no internet, got out of that, went back into my first love, with, which was finance and business, uh, graduated from that as well, and then got into, ironically started working in IT at about the time that everyone was getting this box in front of them in the office space. And I don't, I, you know, to be honest, I don't remember what they had before that, but people were getting computers. and <laughs> Typewriters. I Typewriters. Yeah, and I was fixing them and I was doing a lot of business analysis work and trying to get information to people so that they could make informed decisions. Started this social media site with um, the guys in, in 1999. So I predate LinkedIn by three years and Facebook by five years. <laughs> Ran that for 14, learnt uh, some interesting lessons about, um, I guess, moderating and, and curating uh, community driven. Uh, websites you know wow and the thing i the thing i kept finding with that is that you know we we had uh around 20 million visitors a year um to the to the site which was which was quite impressive 20 million visits to yes. the year, which was quite impressive and depth of and the depth of relationship we had with a lot of our, our visitors was was pretty insane that you know they'd be on the site three four five times a day um and, and I think we had you know, more than 100,000 people were visiting uh, more than 100 times a month. Right? So the kind of depth of engagement that we see in a lot of social media sites now. Right. right. Now you're on Facebook <laughs> regularly. You're on Twitter or Instagram right. regularly. Uh, we sold advertising as, as our means of, of sort of monetizing that audience. And it, it was interesting sort of looking at, I guess, the maturity of people's businesses because this is, I guess, as, as you know, as, as businesses – from the noughties onwards, started to build websites. They started to build this sort of awareness of digital marketing. This was a, a, a word that people started to use. Social media was a word that started, people started to use and using those channels as, as ways of attracting an audience. But the thing that I found more often than not, the reason people's advertising strategies were failing was not necessarily where they put their message or what message they put there. It was what they did with the traffic after mm. they generated awareness. Yes. And it didn't so matter whether key. it was a small business or a government organisation or a, or a major corporate. Um, there was a, this lack of marketing maturity that I was seeing in our clients. And the more I looked around, the more I saw this everywhere. It wasn't just in, you know, it was in the the. the the organisations or companies that that I bought things from, 
They just lacked this maturity. They did lots of work to chase my attention. And as soon as they've got it, they dropped the ball. Right. There was and no that, depth. Yeah. That's yeah, so no depth of relationship. Key. Yes. And uh, and, and well, it doesn't matter if it's an if it's a um um an online or an offline business. I mean, we've seen that for years with offline businesses, and, and now we see it with online businesses as well. It yeah. was exactly the same, that's right. Um, yeah. And I'd say that, you know, I'd talk to business owners. I was doing a lot of face-to-face networking and I'd talk to business owners and I'd, you know, hear the frustration in their voice about the fact that they weren't achieving the success they wanted to achieve from the business they were doing, right? Now, oh, everyone right. went into business to, you know, to affect their lifestyle in some way, right? Um, it wasn't a job. They wanted to change the world in some way, you know, this right. grand vision. And yet they were having frustrations. And I was reflecting back on the things that I did as a kid and going, well, hang on, you're clearly doing this and you're not having fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right? and, and why not? Are you making this harder on yourself than it really needs to be? And, and you know, that's that's sort of what led me to, to win more clients. That's what led me to, you know, I guess, finding and fixing the holes in people's businesses where the opportunities leak out. Oh, I love that where the opportunities leak out. I love that, and and I love that you brought fun into it. You know, mm. there there. I mean, that doesn't mean that every day, all day, is fun, because there are certainly ups and downs in our businesses, and there are you know days that it's not necessarily fun. <laughs> but there ought yeah. to be some elements of that fun in well, what you're doing. I did get doing. shot in the eye once. With, you know, when our office spontaneously erupted into Nerf gun wars. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. anyway. <laughs> That's yeah, that too funny. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> um who who so hmm, yes, which direction do I want to go? Uh, <laughs> lots of questions running around there. <laughs> so was it the was it the fun factor? Was it just seeing the pain that these business owners were in? What What is it that drives you that really, you know, gets, got you serving customers the way that you do today that really got you into this at this level? Yeah, look, good question. Um, I'm not really sure. One of, the, one of my, you know, driving passions is that I want to see small business owners succeed. I think for Ditto. all the... The risks, right? We're the, we are the, you know, to to quote um, Steve Jobs, right? We are the crazy ones. We are the ones, the people who, you know, really yeah. change the world. That step out of our comfort zone to try and achieve yeah. something greater than ourselves and and impact not just our own families, but the the lives of our customers, the lives of our staff, and everything else. And I live in a government town where, you know, a good fifty percent of the, op- the the population work for government, and the next oh, 20% really? of the population work for an organisation who works to government. In, in some capacity. And so, you know, this so you're this odd idea, man out. I know I'm I'm a I'm an outlier. Um this idea that and, and I you know I worked in government for, for a long time as well, you know, both in private and in, in direct to government and in corporate working to government. And everywhere I looked there was this almost this sense of mediocrity that you know close enough was good enough that I, you know, I turn up at 9 a.m. and I leave at 5 p.m. or 451. Yeah. And I did my hours and then that was that was it. Now great places to work because you work with some amazing and awesome people. But there was always this sense of, you know, I'm just doing the thing and then I'm going home and then I'm doing the thing and going home. Um, no, no real 
massive change. And if it didn't work, well, that's right. Some other government would come along in a few years' time and reverse everything we'd already done and mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. And there was this, you know, as I as I looked around my my co-workers, there was just this sense of almost defeat. <laughs> just biding like, their time. Just biding their time, just doing, you know, just yeah. just coming to work to earn a paycheck, right? right. Not to make sort of, um, you know, significant, meaningful change. Now that's right. not everybody, sure. Right? Um, but but yeah, this, this was this sort of sense of this you know, generalization, I guess, um, that I was seeing, and and business owners, on the other hand, fighting the good fight, yeah, right, to change the world, but not having all the pieces, right. Right. Um, now, there's no way I could ever go back to work for government again. I've got too many skills <laughs> in different areas. And as soon as you get into into business, you go, oh, my God, I need to know about sales. I need to about marketing, right. strategic exactly. planning, HR, IT, finance, blah, you know, all this other sort of stuff. Um, and it almost becomes really, it's like, it's almost overwhelming when you first come into business about all of the things you need to learn. And of course, right. as we grow in business, we start getting rid of some of those things, right, to other people. <laughs> Yes. Uh, when we work out they're actually better at it than us, and that's okay. But, you know, the, the I just kept seeing business owners, they were trying to build this 10,000-piece puzzle and they didn't have the box and what the picture was supposed to look like or all the pieces. Great analogy. Like, oh, my God, this is hard. I'm like, well, maybe if we give you the box so you know what it's supposed <laughs> to look like and we give you all the pieces, you might actually get a chance to succeed. Or if you give them the box, maybe we'll see what we are missing, you know, and then go figure out how to get those pieces. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. everything you said is absolutely spot on for business owners. Um, and many of us operate without all the pieces that we need. And and the challenge is, you know, you talked about going and learning a lot of things as a new business owner. And that's great. And we all do that. But the challenge is, we don't know what we don't know. So true. even if we go out and just learn everything we can, there's still holes. There's still missing pieces in that puzzle because we don't know that we're missing that piece. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know who has the answer. We don't know how to get it. Mm. And that's where you and I come in. Yeah, very true. Look, I just worked with a business yesterday. I had a, a full-day consulting session with them. That's a business that's been around for 40 years. Right? There's a lot right. of... You know, You'd think everything would be it, solid, right? There's a lot of process and institutional <laughs> knowledge within that right. business. And right. yet the business landscapes changes so rapidly that the number of aha moments we were having yesterday was every every five minutes. Like, oh, oh, is that what's, oh is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which was which was amazing because, you know, that, that's just like, oh, my God, we, we've just, you know, we've just secured the next 40 years of our business right. going forward. Yeah, so that's to me. That to me is really is, is super rewarding. Be able to sort of you know give that aha moment to someone, right? And, you know, I'm fairly lucky. I, mean, I think I'm 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 super lucky in the in the role that I have. I get to work with so many business owners in so many different industries, you know, around the world. I think if I just look over the last six years alone, it's almost a thousand, um, you know, consultations with clients in twenty nine different countries. Wow. Yeah, very oh, that's impressive. A, that's, a, that's a thousand different businesses, you know. Yes. Clairvoyance, and, agriculture, mining, law, yeah. accountants, you know, coaches, consultants of every different flavor, um, product businesses, you know, auto repair shops, solar panel companies, you know, you name it. But there's there's this commonality, even though though there are so many different businesses. I think from a from a marketing perspective, there are commonalities in all of those businesses. 
right? Right. And that is that we take our clients on a customer journey, right? From how they become aware of us through to raving fans, right? Our businesses are marketing machines that, you know, deliver us money and somewhere along the way deliver customers' outcomes. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I think what, I, what I've discovered in that is that it doesn't matter what business you're in or what stage of business you're in. One of the challenges I put to my clients is I, I want you to think of your business not as, you know, a plumber or, a, you know, a marriage coach, celebrant or a, uh, you know, or as an accountant. Um, the more we think of our businesses as, as marketing businesses that do a certain outcome, I think it gives a, a particular insight that the purpose of our business is to generate dollars. First and foremost, the purpose of our right. business is to generate dollars, profit for us, and customer outcomes be a, are a byproduct right. of that business. And if we look at the, the journey, the more systemized we can make our journey of our customers from where they become aware of us to where they give us and keep giving us profit, right. more effective our business will be at delivering the outcome of what our business is supposed to do. Very good. Very good. And, and, you know, we, we encounter a lot of folks and, and, you know, I'm a little in this group myself of people who really want to make a difference in the world. I think you are as well. And we can't make the difference that we want to make in the world. We're limited in the amount of difference we can make in the world. If we don't create the profit, if we don't create the revenue, you know, and so, when people get hung up, they oh, but I, I want to be a servant. You know, I want to do this. Well, you're going to serve a lot more people if you make your business profitable as opposed to just giving everything away. You're not going to be around very long as a business. You're not going to be able to help the people that you want to help. And then I want to come back to what you said about serving a thousand businesses, because in reality, you've served so many more people than that, not just that business and its employees and its customers, but the difference that they make in that in the world creates that ripple effect that is why I get up in the morning. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think and look when you when you can help someone right, and and make a difference, and that's what we all do it for. Um, you know, it's a really heartwarming feeling. Absolutely, yeah, makes you feel so good. I have so many times gotten off the phone. My husband is retired, and so he's off somewhere else in the house usually. And I, so many times when I get off of a coaching call and go find him and say, have I ever told you that I love what I do? <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times he's heard that. <laughs> but, it, you know, you just it just feels so good you have to share it. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But you know, like just a, just there's just simple tweaks I think people can make. And as you say, people don't yeah. know what they don't know. Um, we do so much. You know, we've kind of learned almost by osmosis what we what we see around us. You know, so advertising right. has been influenced by what we saw on television growing up. You know, because that right. was the main medium for how ads work. Right. So we yell at people and say, "Buy from me today." Yeah, exactly. When right. that's the like least effective. It's, it's like having ten kids on your first date. Yeah. You know, hey Regina, <laughs> you look nice. We should have ten children. Right. Now that might work occasionally, but the vast majority of people for which it doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. And then I'll so, tell you what, I'm going to do something more. I'm going to wait for your reply because I'm going to go on to your girlfriend who's sitting next to you. Yeah. 
talk a little bit about how people change that. Let's talk about what that process kind of looks like for them to go from asking for 10 children on the first date to, to creating a relationship where they want what you have to offer. What does that look like? I think that's it's it's different. I mean, ironically, I did actually make it, meet a guy who did get married to his first wife on their first date and to his second <laughs> wife on their second date. And when I spoke to him, he was looking for wife number three. Um, <laughs> but I think it's that, that patience. If, if we we ultimately do business with people. Right. right. And that's why you see major corporates spend so much money on their branding, trying to give their brand human characteristics that right. people can connect to. Um, if we look at, I'll just notice if you've got, you know, you've got a sort of you're married, something bulletproof, you're married. Ah, book yes, that was my first background. book. There we go. Bulletproof, you're married. Um, <laughs> it, it's ironic how our business relationships, how, how more effective they are in our business relationships when we um, parallel how we build our personal relationships, right? And particularly if you're a, a coach, a consultant, or expert, right? right? Um, where it's not, you know, a, a forty-five cent purchase at the, you know, the counter at the supermarket. Right. Um, you know, we we build these relationships, and we would never consider, you know, proposing and and, and having ten kids on our first date. Right. We're just you're an idiot. What are you do that for? <laughs> and for some reason, we try and do the same thing in business and say, hey, you know, let me connect with you, and then you should buy from me today. Right. Okay. Right. I don't know if I like you enough to want to have you as a customer. B, I don't know if you've got a problem that I can solve for you yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so on. And so if we're a little bit more patient, what we find is that we start to build a connection and relationship. And we've all heard the, you know, the saying no like and trust. Right. Right. With you know, as a sort of <laughs> as a marketing fundamental. If you yes. know like and trust your customers and they know like and trust you, there's going to be a relationship there. Right. And then you can pop the question, right? The challenge, I think, for business owners is to be organized and manage the number of relationships. And that's why, as individuals, we typically only get married to one person. Right. A, because it's less socially acceptable to get married to 20 or 30 people. Right. But a business can't have one marriage. Our business has to have 20, 30, 40,000, 10,000. Right. Whatever marriages. that number is, yeah. With our customers, and we need to right. kind of consider that. Now, luckily enough, they're not jealous of each other. <laughs> right? But they're all at different stages of that of that buyer journey, aren't they? Right? Some yes. are just getting to know you. Exactly. Some are you know, waiting for you to pop the question. Right? Some are existing clients whom you've got to remember that you've got this ongoing relationship with. Right. Not just forget about them. Exactly. Just so how recently, do we do that? Oh, go ahead, just, please. Here we go. Here we go. Just recently we had, um, we had our air conditioning and heating system Flooded. Oh yes, you were telling them, me about both that. of them. Both <laughs> of them are gone out. We need to get them fixed very soon. But um, a few years ago, when we put this new system in, we inherited something that was just cobbled together, and we finally made the decision to spend some money getting a new system put in, and we started calling tradespeople. The first guy who came in had a look around, spent about an hour and a half, and then said, "No, I don't think we can do this," and he left. Second one who came in, same thing. No, don't think we can do this. Third one, no, don't think we'll do this. And both oh time my. I'm now like, going through the list of Google searches and you know, going I'd through I'd be the freaking out at that point. Like, oh, my God, right, it's getting cold where we live and um, yeah, oh. we want to get this. The fourth guy comes in and says, yeah, I, I can do it. And we're like, awesome, thank you very much. You know, what's it going to cost us? And he says, it's going to cost you $23,000. 
Okay. Now, so not a trivial, not a trivial piece of not work. Not a trivial, no. Okay. So there's lots of stuff to do. $23,000. We go, sure, can you send us an invoice so we can pay the deposit and we can get things underway? And he goes, no worries, I'll do that. He goes about his day and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. <laughs> no invoice. And I'm like, I don't remember who we called, right? Because we called so many people. <laughs> so he misses out. Eventually we call tradie number five and he comes in and, and you know, I think it was $22,400 or something at the right. end. Same ballpark, paid, yeah. pay the invoice. Uh, you know, the work is done. Fantastic. And for the last couple of years, we've been toasty warm in winter and nice and cool in summer. Okay. Of course, until this until. last winter. <laughs> uh, and then we got flooded. Uh, do I know who that person is? Oh, no. I have no clue. <laughs> so can I call them to come and get my units fixed? No. Oh, no. Because we've never heard from them since. Yeah. Terrible service okay. in that now, even, even if I yeah. just considered that unit needed to be serviced every single year. Yes. Are they waiting for me to go back to them or is it? are they taking responsibility? Or should they take that responsibility? business and coming back to me as the customer. It's not my job as the customer to chase you as the business owner yeah. for you to take my money. What a clear. <laughs> responsibility. The responsibility lies a, the other way. Yeah. That's okay. such a and, clear example. <laughs> and, and look, the same way, you know, same way in marriages, we don't just, you know, do all the work to woo our significant other and right. propose and put on all the, you know, the fancy ceremonies and and everything and the, the engagement party and the wedding and the honeymoon and then go, yeah, I'm done now. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> You're on your own. Right? And expect the marriage to continue on. Exactly. Okay. The same thing applies in, in business. We have a customer life cycle. In every business, right. has a customer life cycle from where we become aware of, you know, that we've, the a customer needs our services, they become aware of us. It's right. our job, all right, to keep the customer, those, those prospects on that little conveyor belt that moves yes. them along through our business. If they fall off that conveyor belt because it's rickety, because it's broken, because it's not very efficient in that process, if they fall off, that's not their problem. That's our problem if we want to achieve the goals we want to achieve and impact the people we want to impact. So true. So true. And so that's what you do in your business is help people set up those systems that will allow them to stay in touch with those clients or prospects, nurture them along that journey, right? Yes. Okay. He's given us a big nod of his head here, folks. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, it's so powerful. And we know that what are the, I mean, you know, the numbers I've always heard are it's at least eight to 10 contacts or something like that before people even remember you. Um, I don't know if you have newer numbers or other numbers than that, but that, You've got to stay uppermost in that person's mind, like your plumber didn't do. <laughs> your well, here's, here's, a really good guy. here's another really good example, and this is is one that I'm uh, I've got in my upcoming book, right, uh, which will hopefully be out this year. Um, and there's a client of mine named Shika who I worked with 
probably two years ago, right? you know, I think she's tripled or quadrupled her business right, since we started working together. Now, Chica was coming to me like a lot of business owners complaining of, you know, not enough leads in their business, in her business. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. All right, Chica, how many websites are you building per year? And she's gone, I'm doing, you know, 10 or so on average websites per year. Um, and she's doing okay, right? She's She's got a job, right? Right. Um, you know, she's doing ten to twelve thousand dollar websites for clients. Um, so not not trivial ones, not massively expensive, but not super cheap either. Right. Uh, and then you know after after her cost, she's you know probably taking sort of sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars home out of her business. Okay, so not too right. bad, right? But right. really, you know, she's got to do the work, otherwise she's stuck in it, and she's just you know she's she's got a job. Right. Um, anyway, we're talking. She's going. I need more leads. And I'm going. Okay, well, let's have a look at your your business, and and we'll put a different lens over it to see what's going on. Okay, where do you? Where does your business come from? And she's gone. I get a little bit from Facebook and a little bit from LinkedIn, right? and some some from referral partners and so on. Okay, okay. And let's put those aside. And we'll just look at LinkedIn. How many people are you connected to on LinkedIn? She's gone. I'm connected to six hundred people. Right now, pretty easy to connect to six hundred people on LinkedIn. Right. Most people will have that many connections. Regina, I know you've got a few thousand. Yeah, about 7,000, okay. <laughs> somewhere so in that ballpark. 7,000 connections. Now, let's look at, uh, and I ask Sheikha and say, how often would people rebuild their website? And she's gone pretty regularly. People will rebuild their website around every five years, right? Um, it's probably a little bit long because, you know, usually in that space of time, you know, I've got new staff on there or you've changed right. your product and service offerings or you've got a little, you know, your marketing message might have matured or, or differed right. or something, okay? But every five years, so let's go with that. Now, that means on average of her 600 connections, who are all business owners, all represent her ideal customer, right, that 100 of those, 120 of those people are built, rebuilding their website every year. Mm. Again, law of averages says that 10 people every single month are in the market Right now, to build the for her website. services, for her services, and she's only doing ten a year, and yet there's ten people she already knows and has served. Yes, okay. Who are I'm? I'm rebuilding my website. What do I need to do? And of course, she's doing what everybody else does: is she's putting out, you know, she's putting out regular content in the hope that someone sees it, right? Rather than going, I've already got a relationship with someone. Why don't I just make that relationship deeper so that when they have the problem, they go, Sheikha's top of mind. Yeah. Okay. Right. So regular content is fantastic for building awareness and demonstrating expertise. It's not necessarily good for closing clients. Right. It's not a converting tool. It's not a converting yeah. tool, but she's doing the same thing as everybody else. She's already got the relationship. All she needed to be doing was sending one message once a month to each of those 600 to those, to those to clients. Say, hey, yeah. how are you going? What are you working on right now? You know, hope you have a fantastic right. day, right? Just be real and <laughs> actually have a relationship. Exactly, exactly. Okay? So she's doing that now and it's completely transformed to business. Hmm. I bet it has. <laughs> and that's just, one, that's just one thing. That's, that's just one thing, yeah. Folks, I hope you're hearing this. It's so important that you create those relationships and maintain those relationships with your clients if you want to, to continue in business and to grow your business. And it is one area that we, as entrepreneurs, really neglect until we 
capture that vision of the power of it. And we put in place automation. Uh, We may have to put in place somebody else to run that automation for us so that we can focus on client work, you know, whatever it takes. But you've got to be reaching out to those people consistently. Yeah, and it's, it's again, like you know, if we had, if you of all seven thousand of your clients converted tomorrow, like, uh, like, <laughs> I'd be hiring a bunch of people <laughs> after I had a mental breakdown. Um. But, but it is, you know, we we you know we're so, I think, in the immediate. I mean, we live in this immediate culture. Yes. Right now, and if, if someone's not ready to buy from me today, see ya. Okay? We just move straight on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there there is. I mean, even even you know a lot of the the marketing fraternity, I guess, um, are still still speaks about this this immediacy about you know buy today, upsell today. Mm-hmm. Here's my order bump, you know, here's my second order bump, and so on. Yeah, it's all about you know maximize the initial customer value and then throwing everyone else away. Yeah, and I literally hate it when I go to uh, a link to to get something. And I, I get that and I get 10 upsells before I can leave that page. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, you didn't want that? Okay, how about this one? Okay, well, you really need this one and you need this one. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want any of it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that strategy works, you know, if you're paying to get in front of, you know, you know, ready now buyers. Yeah. Right? Because you do have exactly. to maximize the value of that. And I, and I agree. But I think there should be limits. <laughs> yeah. Three tops, three upsells tops. <laughs> and then you downsell. <laughs> and then a downsell, exactly. <laughs> it just, I find it frustrating when there's, you know, you just can't seem to leave the page <laughs> because they haven't finished your order yet because they're still doing all the upsells. So um, awesome, Tim. This is, this is really good. As you know, we have three questions that I want to ask you. And we ask all of our guests these three questions because they're so valuable for our listeners to understand um, a business is a business is a business. There are those foundations we talked about, but there are some principles. There's some things that can make your business even better. And so we've chosen these three areas. So the first one for you is what is a leadership principle that you've lived by or that you use in your business and in your life that has served you well in your business? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> yes. Pick um, one <laughs> or two if you asked. need to. <laughs> I think one um, one that probably sticks in my mind is um, you can be friendly with your staff but not friends. Yes. Right? Um, you know, you do have to kind of maintain a kind of separation, I guess, um, and because I think if you become friends with your staff, right, there's a, you know, almost a, an unconscious sort of, um, I guess, line that gets broken mm-hmm. in the workplace. Yeah. Right. So while, it's, while I think it's totally okay to be friendly, right, I don't right. necessarily know that you can be friends with your employees. Right. Because at some point you've got to make that hard decision. And if you're friends with them and say, hey, look, it's not working right now. Right. That's a tough one. Yeah. It's a, it's a really tough one to do. And so that's probably one principle I think has really worked for me. Uh, Excellent. That's a good one. 
Yeah, you can have a great relationship with them, but you need to maintain that that distinction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to maintain that because the day is going to come. You're going to have to let somebody go. Yeah, and it's not an easy thing. Uh, but if you've treated them well all along and you've had you know a good relationship with them, then it can really ease that process. I remember terminating someone one day and. You know, I went into her office and terminated her. And as I helped her load her car with her things, <laughs> she gave me a great big hug. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I hear I just terminated her, and she's hugging me. Um, yep. But it's because she was treated well and with respect while she was there, and she understood the decision that I'd had to make—that it was no longer in her best interest or my best interest to have her as an employee. It didn't serve either of us anymore. And she understood that and and was grateful that <clears throat> that, that all came about. Okay, possibly second. I'll throw a bonus one in there. Possibly a second one. And this okay. one was because I went into business. You know, I was in business with six of my friends. Right. right 14 years. <laughs> um, and very early on, I um, one of my mates who's never run a business and never really been in leadership positions said to me if you want to lead lead right don't wait for permission right i um, so think that's again, so powerful this is a sort of second one it comes back to that sort of you know be, don't be friends with your employees but be friendly yeah. but if you keep looking to your employees for validation of right. your decisions right they will not have confidence in you about where you're going that is true right? we just have you, this environment yeah. where you've got to you know go for it Right? Yeah, absolutely. The right people will follow. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely, you have to take charge. You have to be the leader. And, and you know, one of the folks I visited with earlier talked about leading from behind, and we discussed what that meant. But you still have to step up and be the leader and say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. So, absolutely. yeah, the buck stops with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> good and bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, good and bad. Okay, second thing. I believe that I've heard your passion in this for business owners and helping them succeed. And I believe you truly have that passion, as do I. How does following your purpose and your passion with your business, how does that impact the profitability and the success of your business? Um, I think it, it gives you, it gives you drive more than anything else. Um, I remember years ago listening to, uh, or, or reading a thing from George Smith. Now, um, George Smith is, a is one of Australia's best ever rugby players. Right? Okay. And, and George was a phenomenon, right? But by his own admission, he was not the best player on the field. He would say, yeah, I'm actually pretty lazy <laughs> in my day-to-day life. But to watch him play was just incredible. He's been retired for a few years now. And uh, I remember him, you know, this was kind of like really his real revelation, but he would say that on the field he would always do that a little bit more. He would never let his opponent see that he was beaten. Mm. Right? And I'm wondering, you know, that sort of thing, right? He would always do that one little thing more. He would 
make that one extra dive, that one extra tackle, you know, push himself that little bit harder than the other guy until the other guy would give up. Right? Right. And that's what made him stand out over everything else. And I think that, you know, the importance of having that drive and passion in your business says that you will do that one extra thing that the other guy won't. That's right. right. If we look at Elon Musk, for example, right, the dude never sleeps. He eats, sleeps, and breathes. How can I make the world a better place? And as a result of that, he's doing more than everybody else. Right. right? If I look back at my, you know, public service colleagues who are like, yeah, 451, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Take my hat and bat and ball and go home. But it's just that little bit more that made you stand out. And I think that's the thing that we need to have as business owners. If we've got a passion for what it is we do, we're willing and enabled to do that more, even in the face of overwhelming adversity. Agreed. You know, if I look at what has happened to me over the last five years, my wife had a stroke six years ago. Um, she developed anaphylaxis and was on depression after a stroke for a couple of years. Mm. She then developed anaphylaxis to almonds and has been in hospital 14 times over oh the last goodness. two years. In fact, COVID's been fantastic for us because she hasn't we haven't been out much. <laughs> exposure to nuts, right? Um, and and just recently, she was diagnosed with adenomyosis and had to have a hysterectomy, right? Massive adversity. But if we didn't have the passion yeah. for what it is that we do, we would have gone. It's all too hard. We're going to stop right now. Right, right, right. You have to turn to that passion when you're faced with adversity, and if you don't have it, you'll stop. Right. So true. You have to know that what you're doing is important. Yeah, it has meaning. And it has meaning. You're changing lives. No matter what it is that your your business is, you're changing lives. And and that drives you to get up earlier, stay up later, you know, do that extra bit, whatever it is in the moment that needs to be done. Mm. Very good. Third and final question, sir. What is a strategy that you've used in your business to generate profit or more profit? Uh, close more clients. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, one thing I've, I've been implementing recently, I um, read a little bit of uh, Mike McCallowitz's Profit First um, book, which I think, is probably up there with the e-myth in terms of, you know, compulsory reading for business owners. Um, I really like that. I mean, he just flips the sort of profit model around, right? So normally, you know, revenue minus expenses equals profit. Um, it's just a mathematical formula. But if right. you now have, you know, revenue minus profit <laughs> equals expenses, you know, it's the same formula, <laughs> but it means that you're very clear about, you know, taking the money out of your business. And it, it changes the, your your thinking that your business is there to serve you in the lifestyle you want. It is not the lifestyle you want. Right. Before I started this business, I and before I left my day job, I read The 4-Hour Workweek, mm-hmm. right, Tim, Tim Ferriss, right, another fantastic book. And my big takeaway from The 4-Hour Workweek wasn't, that I could sort of outsource half my job and work four hours and, you know, import shirts and from China and flog those on the internet. The My big takeaway from that was that our, our jobs, the thing we do are there to support the lifestyle we want, not the other way around. We don't right. fit our lifestyle around our job. We fit our job around our lifestyle. Right. And, and those good. two principles together, both Profit First and, you know, the four-hour work week, 
Um, I think if we sort of look at that and go, our business is there to serve us. And if it's not serving us, we need to change things. Exactly. Yes. Very good. Appreciate that, sir. Hope you all found uh, those bits of wisdom really uh, powerful as I did. Tim, I know that we talked about that you might have a, something you'd like to offer our listeners if they would be interested in taking yeah, advantage look, of a gift. Happy to just sort of reach out and connect with people. If you want to, to uh, jump on a call with me, um, reach out at uh, winmoreclients.com.au forward slash connect. Um, you'll find some details there on how you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook, um, or even just jump on a call if you want to sort of um, have a have a chin wag about your business and, and what, <laughs> like that chin wag. You know, where you might be where you might be losing some opportunities that would otherwise make the, a difference to you, your yeah. life, your family, and everyone around you. Absolutely, and folks, all of his information will be in the show notes, so we'll be uh, you'll be able to see all of that and reach out. I encourage you to do so. Tim is an expert at what he does. He understands uh, how to do this and what you need to do. And he is the automation guy. (laughs) Um, Tim, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing with our listeners your story and what you do and your wisdom about growing a successful business. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, Regina. Awesome. Folks, we'll see you next time on Pursuing Profit with Principles. Bye for now. Thanks for listening today. As you can see, all entrepreneurs experience challenges in their business. Most of them have worked their way through them with the help of a trusted coach. So let me ask you, What's the biggest challenge in your business? Are you generating the profit that you desire? Do you know what systems you need in order to create more efficiency and profit in your business? Are you tired of working 60 plus hours a week and not seeing the returns? Are your relationships suffering because of the stress that you're experiencing? If any of this describes you, then schedule your 90-minute profit acceleration analysis with me today for only $97. This is a special price for my listeners only. The value of this call is easily over $2,000. We will find between $10,000 and $100,000 profit in your business and lay out a roadmap for you to be able to overcome all of these problems. So get your life and your profit back on track. Schedule your profit acceleration analysis today. There is no obligation and I'm not going to do some hard sell with you. However. If you want my help to achieve the results from your blueprint, I'm happy to have that conversation with you about what that would look like. So schedule your call today. The link is below in the show notes. Do you feel held back by your environment or circumstances? Would you like to free yourself from emotional burdens and create emotional wellness? My next guest shows you how to do just that. She's Tina BQ Tron, an emotional wellness coach and energy psychology practitioner, helping overworked professionals who have too many things on their plates to go from being overwhelmed to being positive and focused. Join me as I interview Tina BQ Tron on our next episode.